Well, over the course of this series, we've examined the teaching of Scripture regarding the counsel of God. We've seen why we need the counsel of God. We've examined the command of Scripture to seek His counsel. We've seen the dangers of ignoring that counsel. And we considered how to find that counsel in Scripture and in the leading of the Spirit. Now, I want to take a moment here to consider another point that Scripture brings up about following and waiting upon the counsel of God, and that is the blessing promised to those who follow this counsel of God. And to do that, I'd like us to look at a number of Bible passages related to this blessing that God promises for those who follow his counsel. Well, let's begin by considering Proverbs 26 and verse 12. Proverbs 26, 12 says this, Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Proverbs 26, verse 12. Now, the words of the writer here are very strong. There's more hope for a fool, he says, than someone who is wise in their own eyes. There are many things about God that we can't understand. He defies our human logic. I was speaking with a friend the other day. He told me how he encountered people in his ministry who could not accept the fact that God would send people to hell. Well, the fact of the matter is that we don't get to choose the kind of God we believe in. Well, I used to buy my computer from a company that allowed me to pick and choose the individual components I wanted. If I wanted a certain amount of memory, I could purchase that. The processor speed, I could purchase. The onboard accessories I wanted, I could get. And in the end, I would have a computer that I wanted that I basically designed by myself. But what do you do? What do you call it when you do this with God? You call it idolatry. You build your own God, one that suits you. And that's not how it is with God. You accept him as he is. Now, there will be some things about him that you will never be able to understand. And sometimes his ways will baffle you, and we may not always like what he's doing. And as a result, sometimes we can come to a place where we don't wait on God anymore. We choose to do things our own way in a way that's understandable to us and appealing to us. And you and I have been in churches that have been governed by human logic. And the church business meeting is no different from any business meeting in a secular organization. We do things the best we know how. We trust in human wisdom to find the answers. And what does Proverbs twenty six twelve say about this? Do you see a man who's wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. There's more hope for a fool than for that church. It depends on its own understanding that is wise in their own eyes.
Now, closely related to the words of, that we've just read are the words of Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 26, which says this, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in the wisdom, in wisdom, will be delivered. While the one who trusts in his own mind is, according to Scripture, a fool, deliverance will come for those who walk in wisdom. And the path of deliverance and victory is not in human logic, but in seeking the counsel of God and following it. Now, sometimes that wisdom of God defies our human logic, and God's ways are not our ways. And if we insist on doing things our own way, we will never experience the deliverance promised. But what God tells us here is that there is deliverance for those who seek the wisdom found in his counsel. Consider next the words of Psalm 19 and verses 7 to 8. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. What does the writer of the psalm here tell us about the counsel of God? The law of the Lord, he said, revives the soul. The testimonies of the Lord make the simple person wise. The precepts of the Lord bring rejoicing to the heart. The commandments of the Lord open the eyes and give light. And so what we find in Psalm 19 and verses 7 and 8 is that the counsel of God in it, there's revival, wisdom, rejoicing, and light. Consider also the words of Psalm 34, verse 8. Nine. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. You see, God knows what we need. He knows the purpose that he has for us in our trials, and those who seek him will find that he is good, and they will lack nothing in him. He knows us better than we know ourselves. We think we know what we need, but we're often disappointed. Our society tells us what we need, but we're often left empty. But those who seek the Lord and his counsel, according to this psalm, lack no good thing. The question we ask ourselves is this. 
Will we let our own hearts deceive us? Will we allow our society to confuse us? God promises that those who seek him and his counsel will find all they need. It may not be what you think you need. It will, however, be more than what you could ever hope for. Seeking the counsel of God gives us everything that we need so that we lack absolutely nothing. As we move on to Psalm 37, verse 23 to 24, this is what we read. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his ways, though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. We who delight in the Lord's ways have an incredible promise here. When the Lord's counsel is our delight, when we delight in his way, he will sustain us. He will establish our steps and keep us on the right path. His counsel will keep us when we fall. And his counsel will support us in our time of need. Listen to the words of the psalmist in Psalm 73, verses 23 and 24, as he reflected on the benefits of the counsel of God. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Notice the assurance the psalmist has here. The Lord would guide him by his counsel. He would be with him continually directing his steps, and he would lead him to glory. How could the psalmist have this assurance? He walked in the counsel of the Lord and not in worldly wisdom and insight. We have this same counsel to guide us step by step. And that counsel, according to Psalm 73, verses 23 to 24, upholds us, guides us, and leads us straight to glory. Now, it's true that all too often we get sidetracked and don't seek the counsel and wisdom of God. And listen to the heart cry of God as he speaks here in Psalm 81, verses 13 to 14, to his people who were getting sidetracked from his counsel. This is what God says to them. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways, I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. If only my people would listen to me, says God. 
If only they would listen to my counsel, I would subdue their enemies. Notice that that is the great cry and desire of God's heart. And the only thing that is hindering that victory is that his people were not listening to his counsel. They were too busy doing things their own way. They were still trusting themselves. And as a result, they were powerless over their foes. Consider next the delight of the psalmist in the counsel of God as recorded in Psalm 119 and verse 111 where he says this, your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. What is the psalmist telling us here? He's telling us that his heart was full of joy in the testimonies of the Lord. The counsel of the Lord had become such a joy to him. This counsel brought peace and delight to his heart. Those words brought comfort and satisfaction to his soul. The blessing of the counsel of God for the psalmist was in the incredible joy and comfort it brought to his heart. Now, the prophet Isaiah was no stranger to trouble in his life. But listen to what he says in Isaiah 26 and verse 3. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. The counsel of God is our peace when everything else is falling apart around us. Stephen understood this peace when he was being stoned to death for preaching and believing in the counsel of God. He saw the Lord Jesus seated on his throne in the midst of his stoning. Daniel knew what it was like to choose and walk in the counsel of God. And when he did so, he was cast into the lion's den, but he watched God's counsel take effect in his life, give him peace and comfort in the midst of that den of lions. According to Isaiah, the mind that is fixed on Jehovah, the mind that is fixed on the counsel of God, the mind that is stayed on him and his counsel is a mind that knows peace. <laughs> Jeremiah too understood trials and tribulations in his life, but listen to what he says. In Jeremiah 17, verses 7 to 8, Blessed, he said, is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaf remains green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. Jeremiah tells us 
that the person who trusts the Lord, who trusts in his counsel and seeks the Lord and his wisdom and counsel, will be like a well-watered tree. And that life-sustaining water of God's counsel and wisdom will support him. And they will sink their roots deep into that counsel. And they will have no fear when drought comes, for they will continue to be sustained by the counsel and wisdom of God and bear fruit even in drought. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus describes or tells a parable about different soils. And notice what he says here about the seed that was planted in good soil in Mark chapter 4 and verse 20. But those who are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. They are the ones who hear the word and accept it, he says. Those who are planted on the good soil are those who've heard the word and accepted it. And because they have heard the word and accepted it, the counsel of God, and have based their life on it, they, according to Jesus, are the ones who will bear fruit. And there is a direct connection between hearing the counsel of God and following that counsel and bearing fruit. If you want to bear fruit in the Christian life, you need to be one who turns from your own way to seek the counsel of God. We need to do things God's way. We need to seek him and his word. We need to walk in the leading of his spirit. And it's when we have accepted this word and the counsel of God and truly trust and rely on him and in his counsel alone that we can truly prosper because God's work done in God's way is the work he chooses to bless. Now let me conclude with just one more of a passage of scripture from John chapter 8 and verses 31 and 32. And these are the words of Jesus. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Notice what Jesus is telling us here about abiding in the word, abiding in his counsel. Those who abide in his word, says Jesus, are truly his disciples. Now, there are many who call themselves disciples of Jesus who don't abide in the word. These individuals are not followers of the word of Jesus. They follow their own counsel and they live their Christian life according to their own wisdom and strength. But if you say you are a disciple of Jesus, 
then you will put aside your own ideas to follow his counsel. You will make it your priority to seek his purpose, his counsel, and to truly follow it. That, says Jesus, is a true disciple. But second, notice here, that those who abide in the word know the truth. They know the truth because it's found in the counsel of God. And they're not deceived by worldly ideas and philosophies. They are grounded in a truth that comes from God, his counsel, his leading. They know the truth. And thirdly, according to Jesus here, that truth, that counsel, that wisdom, sets them free, sets them free from the power of sin by revealing the Savior to them, sets them free from a life of wandering in unfruitfulness, and it sets them free to walk in the power of Jesus Christ. And so what do we see in these verses that we've examined here today? we see that God blesses those who walk in his counsel. He blesses these individuals who seek his counsel and walk in it with revival, wisdom, rejoicing, enlightenment, provision, security, guidance, glory, victory, peace, health, fruitfulness, truth, and freedom. These are just a few among many of the great promises that are offered to those who seek the counsel of God. The problem is that all too many people want those blessings but are not ready to seek his counsel. They're, they're not ready to surrender to him. The path of these blessings and the path to these blessings is in absolute commitment to the counsel and leading and purpose of God. Will we commit ourselves to dying to our own ideas? to walk in his? Will we make it our determination to seek his counsel in everything we do? Will we commit ourselves to walking according to his word and his word alone? Will we trust that his spirit will be our guide and that we will follow the leading of that spirit? Will we make it our absolute commitment to seek his face in all of our ways? Because only then can we fully, fully, fully experience the blessings that belong to those who seek and wait upon his counsel.